I wish they would have made it look more like a map because it just looks like yeah. you cut together a bunch of covers and put them together. And then you just put them in the shape of New Hampshire yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mm-hmm. could cut anything into the shape of New Hampshire if you wanted to. I would think so. I don't know the shape of New Hampshire though, do you? Yeah. Oh. Because it's right next to Vermont. Oh. So. Why would you know Vermont? Because my aunt lives in Vermont. Oh. Yeah. Fun facts. Hi, Aunt. Hi, Aunt. Um, Anyway, she never, she would never listen to this podcast. Like, this is not for her. Yeah. (laughs) Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as As the the final final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, speaking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. John Carpenter's good. And John Carpenter is good. He is good. Mm-hmm. Better than fruit, some might say. <laughs> John Carpenter, better than fruit. <laughs> so say it. Horror Movie Survival Guide. How do we get in this conversation? Don't know. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, everybody. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome to episode 30. Uh, we will be talking about John Carpenter's 1994 film, In the Mouth of Madness. I'm Marion. I'm Julia. And the title of this episode is, I Am Not Insane. Oh, but if you say that. I Am Not Insane. You are. You are so insane. Uh and we are the first podcast from Indie Popcorn recording at the circus. Uh, the tagline to this film, uh-huh. lived any good books lately? That's solid. Uh, I don't really like it. You don't? Mm-mm. Lived any good? Well, it makes more sense once you kind of understand what's happening. Yeah, I know. I've seen the this. film. Still don't really like it. Really? Mm-mm. Because of the movie? Or are you just like not your fan? I just don't think that's a very good tagline. I oh. feel like I could come up with a better tagline than that. Okay. I feel like I could come up with a better poster as well. Poster is just like yeah. crazy face going into book. It's yeah. not very good. Yeah. I feel like there's a little... It feels a little slapdash. This whole movie feels a little slapdash, to be honest. I think this movie... And here's the thing. is I, My bias absolutely lies in people really going for stuff. And even if it doesn't fully work, I have so much respect for trying to do something completely strange and weird and whatever. Um, this is often the criticism about uh, New Nightmare that I, re- I really enjoy, and I think I really enjoy it because they're really going for something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even if the execution doesn't totally work out, I give it so many props for what it's going for. And so I do, I was pleasantly surprised when we saw this movie for the first time because I was like, rando 90s John Carpenter thing, okay. And I feel like this movie is really going for something. It's a bit of a mess, but like it is really going for something really interesting. It is. And Sam Neill's given it 110%. Oh, he is. Because the uh-huh. first time we see him uh, in this film is he's being dragged into a mental institution. Yeah. And wow, does he look... Oh, oh Mary. I'm so bad at this. Every time. Every time. It's, you're fired. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, what's his face? Sam Neill mm-hmm. uh, looks insane yeah he really i mean they i mean you know shorthand for insane is always the like the hair like raked up on yeah. end which they have and being in a straight jacket and being in a straight jacket usually shorthand for right. being crazy yeah uh but man he looks crazy and so. it's a great intro to like your leading man you know it's like right away like this is what the kind of movie that we're in so we see him being dragged in by some orderlies who he kicks in the nuts as mm-hmm. on his way in mm-hmm. they chuck him into a cell and he's uh Screaming that I am not insane. Right. Um, and then the uh, guy who runs the institution comes over. Whose name is Dr. Saperstein. Oh. Tip of the hat to Rosemary's Baby. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, turns on a little music for the inmates. What is that music, Julia? Oh, no. Not the Carpenters. We've only just begun. It's so great. Um, yeah, I really enjoy that. Um, but it's it's one of those things, too, where... And then uh, David Warner comes in to kind of start, you know, 
interviewing him. And, and David Warner in a non-villain role. Well, I think it's a little unclear, probably oh. mostly in the beginning because it's David Warner. So you're like, mm, I don't trust you, David Warner. Um, but yeah, it's not obvious. And he's sort of um, the mechanism so Sam Neill can start telling his story. And it took me about 10 minutes of this movie to realize that Sam Neill is talking in his own accent, which I don't know if I've ever heard um, a film where he has his own New Zealand accent. Did you notice that in this movie? He doesn't have a New Zealand accent. He does have a New Zealand accent in this movie. Mm, he we does. Can, we can debate on that. He does. He doesn't. He does. <laughs> he, he does. And if you look it up, and the the internet says that he's that he was like allowed to use his own accent because there was a couple times where he was saying words in like kind of an interesting way, and I was like, what was that? That's kind of weird. And then I looked it up, and he's from. I mean, he was born in Ireland, but raised in New, New Zealand. Zealand. Um, but they, John Carpenter said he could use his own accent in this movie. Yeah. But he doesn't have like an like a crazy sort of like fly to the Concords. Yeah, exactly. Like his is much more like kind of like Mel Gibson's Australian accent, right? Where it's faint, it's there. Exactly. But okay. if you, there are certain words that in this movie where he is absolutely saying them with a New Zealand accent. And so I thought maybe he was being a little like loosey goosey with his American accent. But then I had read that they're like, nope, they let him. He was like, just okay. use your own accent. It doesn't matter. Like where this character's from. Interesting. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. So he asks for a black crayon mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning and is uh, when when uh, David Warner first comes in he is drawn crosses all mm-hmm. over his entire cell all over his bed all over his face all over his mm-hmm. scrubs I'm not really sure what he's what that has to do with anything it should have something to do with it something because it's a really scary image and uh-huh. I know they used a lot in like the press and stuff but really doesn't he's not that's not going to ward off anything in this film I don't know I'm I not don't really know. sure what that's okay. made of just but... a scary image yeah I kind of thought when that when we kind of come back full circle um, back to him in the insane asylum towards the end of the film, that would be kind of more explained. Right. Maybe it was and I just missed it. Don't I, know. I, I feel like John Carpenter works well with images. I feel like he gets an idea and he's like, okay, it's going to look like this. Mm-hmm. And you get these, but then you're like, what does that mean? Or I bet it makes total sense to him. Like I think in his head, it's probably completely justified, but I just don't think sometimes the audience is as clued in mm-hmm. in a way that I would like to understand what right. that's all about. Um, so the story kind of begins in flashback and he's an insurance investigator and basically he's... Harballing guy. Yeah, he's sort of very much this kind of like Philip Marlowe kind of just like I can sniff out a rat and basically um, he just... People who are trying to commit, you know, insurance crimes, he basically, you know, smells what they're doing. Um, and so he is hired by this book company... Uh, this publishing house run by Charlton Heston as Jackson Harglow. I mean, G's name. Um, and uh, to find their missing author, Sutter Kane. G's name. I know. Um, and I take a shot every time they hear Sutter Kane I know, in this it's film. It's a lot. Um, but you don't want to be drunk and watch this movie. I think it'd Ooh. be. Um, but basically, he, he's he's disappeared. Um, but before he goes up, I there's a, a scene in this movie that I do really like, which is that guy who comes across the street with the axe uh-huh, when so he and the other guy are having this sort of post mortem on um uh trent is uh john trent john trent is uh, samuel's character and they just kind of you know busted this insurance fraud situation so they're kind of doing a post-mortem about it in a restaurant and there's a big plate glass window to samuel's right and the shot is you know kind of profile of the two men talking and you see a guy come across the street people like fleeing as he's crossing the street he's got a huge axe he looks bonkers and they're so engaged in their conversation they don't notice that he comes all the way up to the plate glass window and brings up that axe like he's gonna smash the window and does and it's all kind of done in this shot that just 
I don't know. It doesn't really, it's very tense filled. Mm-hmm. I really like it a lot. Yeah, it's great because you can see him go all the start from across the street, go all the way up. And mm-hmm. uh, so he's. And he's, the two of them are just like, Jesus, like when it goes through. You as know? you would be if yeah. you're in the middle of eating and somebody mm-hmm. smashes a window in your face and then tries to get you with an axe. Yeah. But luckily, police are there. Shoot, shoot him, him down. But he asks him, do you read Sutter Kane yes. just before he takes him down? And that's kind of like the beginning of it. And then, yeah, he gets hired by Charlton Heston to basically Sutter Kane has gone missing and his new book has come out and people who are reading it, it's making people mad, basically. Um, people are rioting. People mm-hmm. are killing each other. To get this book or even the reading of it is crazy. And so he kind of goes to a bookstore and you see this kind of strange guy that's like, have you read this? And people just seem to be almost kind of hypnotized mm-hmm. by it. Um, in kind of an interesting way. And um, he meets uh, this woman named uh, Julie, uh, Julie Carmen plays uh, Linda Stiles, who is the editor, S. Sutter Kane's editor. And the two of them are kind of put in charge of like, look, you're going to go off and find him. We think he's, we th- uh, John Trent kind of figures out that he's probably in New Hampshire and Hobbs End. He figures it out in a, an incredibly weird and dodgy way. Here. I don't, I, that, so, that didn't make a lot of sense so, to me so, either. So, yeah. John, John Carpenter, you have some explaining to do here. Uh, <laughs> Sam Neill goes to buy all of Sutter Kane's novels and he's mm-hmm. trying to read. He's never read any. He wants to see what the deal is about mm-hmm. and then starts looking at the covers very carefully and then rips all the covers off and is able to cut them in a way that creates a map to Hobbs End, New Hampshire. Right. But it's not, I wish they would have made it look more like a map because it just looks like yeah. you cut together a bunch of covers and put them together. And then you just put them in the shape of New Hampshire yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could cut anything into the shape of New Hampshire if you wanted to. I would think so. I don't know the shape of New Hampshire though, do you? Yeah. Oh. Because it's right next to Vermont. Oh. So. Why would you know Vermont? Because my aunt lives in Vermont. Oh. Yeah. Fun Hi, facts. Aunt. Hi, Aunt. Hi, Vermont. Aunt. Um, anyway, she never, she would never listen to this podcast. No. Like, this is not for her. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, there's like kind of bits like that where it gets a little dodgy. And um, I noticed like a lot of kind of the artwork and stuff reminded me a lot, at least of like kind of H.R. Geiger and, and mm-hmm. obviously the Sutter Kane, Stephen King thing. But in reading kind of more about this movie, apparently Sutter Kane is much more kind of drawn after H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. Which I don't really know anything about. And so when I was watching this, reading about the movie afterward they're like so lovecraftian and i don't really know what that means okay so i when i was watching this i wrote down in my notes love very lovecraftian okay okay so, so, so what does that mean so lovecraft was writing at kind of the turn of the century and uh cthulhu is like his big beast ah, okay. if when you hear of cthulhu that's like his big guy got it but the, the kind of gist of most of lovecraft stories is that there's this kind of ancient horror lurking just beneath the surface and when you see it it makes you go mad just beneath the surface of the earth, of like, or like the oh, surface no. of our psyches, or uh, the surface of like a, a nice, pleasant place, a town. Ah, a, you know that you oh, go I somewhere see. and you know that there's something afoot, and you kind of go Buffy. toward. What's that? Like Buffy? Hellmouth. Right, you go somewhere oh, that's very normal sounding but the the kind of like there's always like the lovecraft ending i'm I'm saying doing air quotes here so okay and that's basically something so horrific the human brain could not conceive of it and it'll make you instantly insane got it so like most of his stories exposed to you ends with his character just going bling and just like gone they're totally insane okay so like that's where this kind of comes around is like you have this character we've seen in the beginning Mm. that he is going to go completely insane. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where it's leading you. So it's sort of Lovecraftian in terms of like the concept or like the imagery as well? 
Both. Both. Okay, got um, it. And, I, and it, so it, it is, it, but there is a lot of like Stephen King element as well. I mean, they're in New Hampshire, they're mm-hmm. not in Maine, but it might as well be Maine. And, and the towns seem to be very much modeled after that kind of like small town Maine kind right. of deal. So, you okay. you know, and, and obviously, you know, Sutter, they, but they do very dismissively say that Sutter, Sutter Kane is bigger than Stephen King. I know. Um, burn Stephen King. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> so they go to, so Sam Neill makes this map, mm-hmm. decides they're going to try to find this fictional town of Hobbs and Mm-hmm. which is where Sutter Kane's stories take place. And somehow, if they drive out, that maybe they can find it. Um, mm-hmm. So he drives out with uh, Linda Stiles to mm-hmm. go out to find this town. Uh, she Very small minutia, but that's my favorite thing. Uh, she falls asleep in the car as uh-huh. they're driving. Uh-huh. Sam Neill reaches over to his glove box, pulls out the giant awooga horn to like oh. blow in her face to wake her up. I why do you like, have that? Is that why the do you have that in that's, your glove box? Yeah, that's very funny. No mm-hmm. one has that in their glove box. Yeah. Maybe I should start carrying around in I case know. someone falls asleep in my car <laughs> Just in and case. I can awooga them in their face as they wake up. I wonder if like that's supposed to have something to do with him being the sort of insurance fraud investigator. Like there's something about it where he uses it to keep himself awake or I don't know things that I'm reaching for. You're really reaching on that justify. one. I'm here that for you, car- Sam. Um, well, he's just a very serious character, I feel like. Like he takes everything so seriously because he he's like, I'm smarter than everybody. I can figure it out. But I see through everybody. I do feel like there is this kind of Marlowe thing where he's like kind of bemused by people trying to pull scams over. Right. So he says kind of early on when he starts reading The Sutter King where he's just like, it's a scam. I mean, I just haven't figured out the deal, but it's a scam. I can smell a scam. Da, 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 da. And so he has the sort of in the way that he kind of even interacts with Styles, the fact that he calls her Styles, you know, he calls yeah. her by her last name. Is there is sort of this kind of like he's kind of bemused by everyone's obsession with Setter Kane, and, and that's what I mean. Like he feels like he's smarter than everybody. Yes, like he feels like he can see through everybody, mm-hmm. and so that kind of personality. Having a goofy horn in his glove box. I stand corrected. You're totally right. It makes no sense. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, yay, I win. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, they, um, they. So basically, they go on this insane drive. Um, and I, I mean, do, and this is where this movie really starts. I mean, because, you know, the guy with the axe, it's like, you know, great image, you know, interesting kind of stuff. But the, the drive up to Hobbs End is just kind of nuts. And they start, they sort of take turns kind of driving, and she starts seeing really crazy stuff like she sees a young guy on a bicycle going in one direction and then later and he's got uh you know the playing card like in his back wheel and then she sees the same person going the other way but they're an old man mm-hmm. now kind of goblin-esque almost like they're still they're still bicycling they're still that's kind of my favorite part of this film i, I think, agree mm-hmm. it's like it's a very like far away and disembodied and kind yes. of strange and um you know, I, I like the end that the, she ends up hitting the, yeah. him. And when the, the, so it looks like an old man wearing the young man's clothes. Right. But when he talks, it sounds like the young boy. And he's like, he's not going to let me out. Okay, I can't get out. Yeah. So you have this inkling that, okay, Hobbs End maybe does really exist. Yeah. But it has a great kind of quality where, you know, I think especially too, for people who have done really long road trips late at night and you're so tired, you probably shouldn't be driving, but you're still driving. That's kind of like the crazy crap that you're terrified of seeing. Yeah. Like, cause you're by yourself on these empty <laughs> desert roads. And what if you saw some guy and like, nobody would ever believe you, mm-hmm. you know? And that's where I feel like in kind of the early days of this movie, this idea of kind of drifting into madness and what that looks like it kind of being married to something that is 
real and that we've all kind of experienced and then it's a good idea yeah. like it, it's kind of you it eases you into kind of this world that's going to get real crazy um in a way that i thought is really effective i agree mm-hmm. so they go through uh, a very beetlejuice-esque bridge they do to get to uh hobbs end mm-hmm. so they um and she uh she's acting linda is acting very shell-shocked because I think she's really grasping the depth of the situation, yeah. whereas Sam Neill is, thinks it's all a joke and thinks it's all a scam. And so yeah. he has this quality of flippancy about the whole idea because he thinks it's not real. And also I think that, you know, this is where this idea of, you know, we often talk about like, you know, you have to be kind of open. So when the crazy Ralphs or the whoever is, you know, you whatever the the deal is, the supernatural deal, you have to believe it. Linda is very open to it and believes it pretty quickly. You know, they have that interesting conversation where they talk about sanity, insanity. Mm-hmm. And the reason we only think people are insane is because the, who we judge as the sane, sane ones are the majority. But if it flipped, if, yeah. the, if, ins, if the insane people were the majority and the sane people were the minority, your idea of, sa- of sanity would flip. Um, and so she already is kind of starting to go down the rabbit hole pretty early. And I think in a lot of other horror movies that serves the character. Mm. And in this movie, it doesn't. You know, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, spoilers, guys, no one's going to get out of this thing unscathed. But like, I think in Linda's case, she gets sucked into the wormhole of insanity real fast right. because she's already so open. Mm-hmm. So I think this is sort of like a rare example where that openness is like used to the detriment of the character. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's like you're, it's going to get you either way. Just how long is it going to be prolonged? Right. So yeah. there, in this uh, this movie, there doesn't seem to be uh, a way to survive, well, honestly. And, and also, again, this movie is really playing with, like, what exactly is the big bad? What exactly are you fighting? You know, it's not a doll, a boogeyman, a, a ghost. A, you know, it is kind of more of a concept that yes. they're battling. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, I mean, it's kind of like the rules go out the window and, like, you kind of need different rules. And, um, and that is one of the things that I think is kind of interesting about this movie, too. And um, you, so we finally, so they check into a hotel together mm-hmm. where they have the sweet old lady right. who is running at the desk. And that painting, uh huh, that painting where it's like a man and a woman um, on like the side of a lake. And I think the first time we see it, their backs are towards us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they start to kind of turn mm-hmm. around. But again, Sam Neill is just, eh. Yeah. It's all the and, ha-ha. He, and he's seen it from a, and again, but I think where he's seen it is not from a foolish place. He's seen it as like, look, they're just swapping out paintings every time we leave the painting to make us scary. Or when people are acting strange, like these people are actors and whatever. Like it comes from a really practical place. Like if you were in a creepy town where you are professionally, you investigate fraud, you're seeing fraud everywhere. You're just like, no, it's just, it's effects, it's whatever. And because it's all based around Sutter Kane and his new book, this is a massive publicity ploy. And I think that's actually really feasible. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when characters deny reality in horror films, you're like, oh, come on. Like you are just making this so hard and in this case i think his doubt is very justified yeah that they keep saying yeah the the new book what's going to happen the end of the new book and and there's a movie coming out out. of course there is called in the mouth of madness of course yeah uh so they find this big scary gothic church pretty scary i mean i'm giving julia eyes because this this church is like nope this is when mary would be like no thank you i'm Uh, not not going to the church but you got to go to the church so this is you know the cool thing about it is that linda styles being sutter kane's editor has read all of his books very very detailed Mm -hmm. so she knows 
where who everybody is and mm-hmm. where everything is and how everything works and mm-hmm. we need to go to this church now and this is you know this all these kind of yeah leading him along and he's just kind of going in a, a let's find out kind yeah of way. and but she's seen images from the book so you see all these children running and you see kind of all the and you start hearing all these sounds and all this kind of stuff and it's all familiar to her knowing his work so well and Samuel's just like mm, scam 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 mm-hmm. scam 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 um, but basically, yeah, they do go into the church and then like the cavalry show up, right. With like their guns and all this stuff. And they're like, we got to go. And then that's the first time that the doors open. And again, it's in this very strange way where the doors open and close a bunch and it's like a little boy mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the doors open and it's Jürgen Prock now <laughs> all of a sudden standing there from Das Boat fame. Um, and he is Sutter Kane yeah. and he looks every bit like what you would imagine Sutter Kane to be with See, his like mad scientist hair. And I kind of wish Sutter Kane was Stephen King. Because like, don't you think that would fully take you out of it though? This movie's all about being meta, isn't it? Isn't what this movie is, is being meta, Mm -hmm. as we'll discuss in a bit. Okay. Um, But you have, you know, because the actor who plays Sutter Kane is so imposing looking, Mm -hmm. it seems like it would be more interesting to me to have someone as goofy as Stephen King be like the, you know, because like that's Mm -hmm. what makes him Stephen King so awesome is like, he looks like the biggest dork on the planet and has the most amazing brain and like so Mm -hmm. evil and dark. And like, what if you went in that direction? That's my, but then I think it would just be funny like that. You don't think Stephen King has the acting chops? I think because he's such a well-known character and honestly because he, you know, does look kind of more goofy looking than Jürgen Prock now, I kind of feel like that moment where it's like the push in yeah, and the lightning right. and the doors open and it's Stephen King <laughs> in his Stephen King glasses. I mean, you're laughing now, so my point is proven, you know? I'm laughing with the light because that image in my head is wonderful. Uh, wouldn't that be just fun and just in general, just replace certain people with like different people for like epic moments in yeah. movies just to our own delight? Um, there is a part of me. So we're assuming that they've stepped into this, uh, a Sutter King novel, not right. a specific one, this new one that he's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, there are bits of me that kind of wish I could live in a Stephen King novel, even though terrible things happen in them. Yeah. And they're just like such interesting stories with cool I mean, it characters. is interesting as long as you're the one that makes it out. Yeah, not many people do. Um, otherwise, less fun. Um, but yeah, and, and then also I feel like, you know, Linda starts you know, kind of doing, she's an interesting character because, you know, I think she's pretty well obsessed by Sutter Kane and like everything having to do with this world. But I feel like when the guys with, you know, these guns start showing up and they're like, let's bail out of this. Linda starts kind of going a little mad herself and kind of talking more about, um, Sutter Kane's work and that we can't leave. And, you know, she tries to kiss Sam Neill and this is what he wants us to do. And like all this, and she starts acting really, really nuts. And, I think it's because, and I think this is why Sam Neill's character is kind of the perfect character to go through the story, is I think you need to find somebody who, sort of like what you were describing, I feel like Sam Neill's almost like the me in this movie, who's like, you don't really know a lot about the world, you honestly have never read H.P. Lovecraft, like you don't really know, and I feel like Linda's more like the you in this world, where because she knows so much she understands the symbolism and the meaning and all these little tiny things. And it's like twang real fast. Yeah. And I'd I be feel kind of like, into it. Yeah. And she's into it. She's way into mm-hmm. it. So she has that, she goes back to the church late, later and he's showing, you know, there he is like typing away and he starts showing her the work or whatever. And then all this crazy stuff starts happening. where like, she, you know, comes up to him and starts rubbing her hair, her hands through his hair. And the back of his face is like the back of his head is like a demon Mm -hmm. it's like that's that gross 
gel filled looks like kind of one of the aliens from alien like demon and her hands like go through and it's like you know she feels it but she doesn't care because yeah. it's all part of it and do her eyes start to bleed her eyes start to bleed right i think they do okay. yeah and like all oh no because when he shows her the work he like shoves right. her head down and like this bright light pops up and like the book is in her brain i guess and it's just like the craziness starts and that's when the town starts going nuts because she comes back and she's she's like fully crazy they go downstairs to see that painting again and the figures in the painting are now demonic and then the sweet old lady um has a naked her husband naked chained to her, her ankle. ankle and then later you know when they come back down to see her again she's like this weird Cthulhu, Cthulhu-like okay. monster. Well, ding, you hey. know, there you go. But yeah, I get, you know, but again, for the Sam Neill slash Marion Curse of the world, we're just like, what the, you know, what is all this happiness, you know? Um, and it, and, and even then, like Sam Neill kind of flees to this bar and he meets another actor, you know, townsperson who he thinks is an actor and he's still like no no this is all publicity this is all you guys want me to come back and be scared to death you want me I mean I almost love and admire his like no like this is not reality I know what reality is this is not it and the townsperson who he's talking to has a shotgun and starts like leveling it up like he's going to shoot himself in the face and he's like no and he was like no I have to like Sutter Kane wrote it this way and then like blows his head off mm-hmm. in front of Sam Neill so Sam Neill's like I'm done I'm out and he like there's an angry mob forming with pitchforks and torches as they do and he gets in the car and I love the bit where he keeps driving away driving past and then all of a sudden he's back in the town mm-hmm. driving away driving past back in the town and he can't physically drive away like right. he can't he's stuck in this circular loop can i just point out that he knows how to start a car with a screwdriver this is also a skill that this character has oh yeah just to point it out i mean making him even more marlowesque yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah it's a very great sequence of him trying to get away and he can't get away and we kind of realize now what's happening is he is like this boy slash old man stuck on the bicycle right not able to get out of hobbs end right and like uh, there's that great scene where uh he drives through the crowd Crowd and he sees Linda Stiles and he gets her in the car and she grabs the keys and she eats the keys mm-hmm. and his face is just like, are you kidding me right now? Like, it's so great. I and, love it so much. And that's when she starts transforming, right? So she gets that out of the car. spider walk thing? Yeah, so she that? does like this upside down crab walk thing, but her head's on upside down and backwards yeah. and like is trying to entice him. Uh, how do you entice someone in that position? I don't know. No, and also I feel like, you know, friends slash lovers slash whoever, like they're gone. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I love you, Julia, but if you start upside down spider walking like you're done like Fair. we've had a good run and yeah. if like, i start talking it. to you with my head on upside down and backwards shoot me please i just think i have to because okay. it's just like there's i don't think we can come back from that like it's, it's a pretty far place mm-hmm. you know um so yeah basically he and then he he kind of runs into sutter kane and sutter kane uh has that you know i think therefore you are mm-hmm. line where he basically is breaking it down like no you're all part of my creation this is all me this is all mine like you just exist in my world And you start getting the sense now that Sam Neill is really like, okay, maybe, like, maybe this is the deal. Maybe this is like the the new reality. Um, And Sutter Kane says, it also brings up the idea that he, and this is, I think, where you were talking about going meta, where he created him. Mm -hmm. Like, he does not exist. John Trent is not a real person, a real character. Like, he is totally a fictional thing that Sutter Kane has made. And I think that is a really interesting concept to try and get your leading character to believe right you know it's kind of Blade Runner-esque Blade Runner-esque where you know you're sort of like you everything you thought you know about yourself and your existence is not true and I'm going to convince you of that Mm -hmm. that's a pretty hard sell yeah you know um so I think he does a pretty good job but I I do think the, the sort of the cherry on the Sunday of this is when 
the, I guess, Lovecraftian creatures kind of start emerging. And he starts, as he's talking to him, tearing his, like, own face open like it's a book cover. Right. Like, not in a gross, Mm -hmm. you know, flesh off my endoskeleton way, but like, uh, you know, I'm all, and like, and there's a hole that he, like, looks through. And, you know what I mean? And it's like all sense of reality is kind of gone. And he's like, go back, go back to the world, take my book, go back. And, and like these what insane does, creatures start. What does him. Sam Neill say to him when he, when Sutter Kane says that he has created I, him? Yeah. Well, see, and then he, you know, he's getting really whipping himself up into like a megalomaniac kind of fear. Um, and he says, I am God now. And Sam Neill says my favorite line, which is God's not supposed to be a hack horror writer. Hmm. Um, it's pretty solid. It is pretty solid. Because pretty solid. I feel like if my whole existence was created by what I thought was a hack horror writer, I'd be pretty upset. You're mm. like, really? Really? You? Yeah, that's I, it? That's what this all comes down to? Is I'd this be, guy? I'd be pleased. Would you? Yeah. If, if yeah, I would be pleased. That's, I mean, that's I'm not, pretty, I can't say I'm shocked, but I just feel I like, know. A, you know. A pretty good version of God. It's like, all right, I see who you are. I'm into that. I was just expecting a bit more. I understand. So yeah. Sam Neill, um, uh, Sutter Kane sends Sam Neill back to the real world with the copy of the finished copy of In yeah. the Mouth of Madness, the book to, to give spread the madness, spread the madness to the publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great scene where Sam Neill is falling asleep, falls asleep on the bus, and he yeah. hears Sam Neill. He sees, <laughs> hears Sutter Kane saying, "Like I can create your reality to be whatever you want. Did you know blue is my favorite color?" And when Sam Neill wakes up, the entire world is blue, and his scream is so great. It's so great it's when, really and then great. it's like he's like waking up. It's like dream within a dream within a dream and he yeah. keeps thinking that he's waking up and he's not actually waking up. Um, I think that would make you crackers really fast. Yeah. Yeah. How many is it very How many wake ups? How in, many wake ups? In, in, inception you know all the mean? way down. Yeah, it's it's gets real crazy. Um so then Sam Neil goes into his walking around. Mm-hmm. He goes back to the institution. Mm-hmm. No way, he goes back to the publisher. Yeah, who then says like, but Linda doesn't exist and, you know, all this kind of stuff and and you went by yourself. Yes, and and you sent me the manuscript months ago and the movie has just come out. Right. Mm -hmm. So he... the institution's on fire? Yeah. Yeah. So, the, so then you start kind of understanding like how, and, and he's the one, you know, Sam Neill's sort of like, everyone's just acting normal and he's the one who only understands what's really going on, yep. which makes him insane. And so you start kind of coming back to like how we got into the point where he's institutionalized. But the book has out, the, he can't destroy it. Remember, he keeps, he tries burning it. He tries doing this, but like the manuscript keeps coming back up. So the book, everyone has, is reading the book. The movie is out. Everyone has seen it and everyone who has seen it has become mad. So while he's in the institution, basically the whole world falls apart mm-hmm. around him and he's like left alone, locked up in his little room. And so he eventually kind of emerges this movie starts getting a little Brazil at this point. Um, he Which kind is of, only an A plus Only an A plus uh, kind of emerges and as he's walking down the street, he sees In the Mouth of Madness on the marquee starring John Trent. And he's still kind of like a little cracker. So he walks in the movie theater, With gets popcorn. some popcorn, yeah, gotta get the popcorn, sits down and starts watching the movie that we just watched ah! and all these kind of things. And he starts laughing and he has this great, again, I feel like John, very Jonathan Price-esque kind of reaction. But as it goes on, it's like a laughing, like it's funny. And then it's like the hysterical laughing where he's so sad about it because there's nothing he can do mm-hmm. and movie right yeah so we get all this meta mm-hmm. all the way back around you we start uh we end watching the movie we are watching right mm-hmm. you got to give a points for that no for sure. i give john carpenter th- two thumbs up for that ending yeah mm-hmm. uh really great ending i like and it's also a very lovecraftian like you've seen so much you're now just gone and yeah. like and you're just laughing because you're watching yourself yeah on the big screen and it's kind of like this sort of 
hopeless kind of, you know, yeah. like that's all there is, folks, you know, mm-hmm. kind of deal. Like there is no escape. There is no out. And I do think like, you know, a lot of the rules that we talk about are rules that kind of exist in a world where the big bad is something tangible. And I don't think Sutter Kane is the big bad really in this. It's sort of more like the world that he created that almost he can't control. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you really do in that when you are not writing your own destiny and yeah. you're not writing. Because then even if you are making decisions, someone can write write out characters, write in new things, mm-hmm. write like, I don't really know what like the horror movie survival guide tips are for a situation like that. No, I don't know either. And I, but that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Um, and it, for me, my favorite kind of endings are the endings where everybody's fucked and it's terrible and it's uh-huh. awful. And like uh-huh. your, your main character is insane. And yeah. like, nah, that wins points with me. It does. Yeah. I mean, I will say I too, I, I do think this movie is kind of a little like bit off more than it can chew in the sense that like I a lot of the imagery is really interesting. I think a lot of the effects are really interesting. There are kind of a lot of bits, like you were talking about with the crosses and other kind of things that don't totally make sense. Yeah. And I think, and I don't mean in the sense like the bicycle kid, like we need that to be fully explained because mm-hmm. we don't. But I do think that there's kind of, you start to lose the thread a little bit about like what exactly the power of the world is mm-hmm. and what exactly is going on and I don't know. I feel like if we're a little confused by that, then it kind of matters a little less. Right. And so I think that's kind of where this movie loses it a little bit. But the idea yes. is super, super solid. Yes. And Sam Neill is great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be streamlined a little bit, mm-hmm. but you get, you win, you know, you win points with the ending. Even though I watched it with my mom and my mom Did you? at the ending, she's like, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, mom. Okay. Let's break it down. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she thought she was going to like get out of it or something? Or I don't know. She just didn't understand why he was laughing. And yeah. I was like, because it's, it's him and it's horrible. And like he can't get out of it and he's watching himself. And But we're watching this movie. And right. It went over my levels mom's head within levels. a little bit. That's, uh, so that's okay. That's so funny. Uh, so, so for gore factor for mm-hmm. In the Mouth of Madness, uh, one is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. Five is run for the barf bag. We gave this a three. I would say that's probably pretty true. I'd say the, you know, the effect of her with uh, Crab Rock with the head on backwards mm-hmm. and everything, that wins for me. So that Yeah, would. and the weird kind of Cthulhu old mm-hmm. lady thing. There's not a lot of, well, there's bleeding out of the eyes and stuff, but. Yeah, and there's and also her hugging that deep back yeah, head like a, demon. a wall of monsters that he goes through. Yeah, yeah you're just like, okay, they're sore, but it, but it's less like gore and more just like horrifying imagery. Mm-hmm. And I and I mean, they are really just going to town with like just the craziest crap you can come up with. Sure, like, let's well, just do it. You know, John Carpenter, he's got a reputation to uphold. He did the thing, which has some of the greatest like monster mm-hmm. creature effects ever. So mm-hmm. he feels like you know. Yeah, go big or go home. Because I know how he feels, John Carpenter. <laughs> and this is how it is. Uh, movie rating, zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastical. You and I both gave this a three and a half. So better than seen worse and seen better, but just slightly under not too shabby, mm-hmm. um, which I feel pretty good about and I stand behind. But I do really give this thing a lot of credit for just trying some crazy crap because there is some crazy crap in this movie. Yeah, I, I, there's, I think that there's something to be said for a film that even if you don't 
get a home run, you're still swinging for the fences. And yeah. I think you've got to give people credit for that. Yeah. You go, okay, it didn't quite work, but I see what you're going for. Yeah. And I gave you kudos for that. Yeah. Especially I think someone like for John Carpenter, sort of, you know, we were talking about earlier about these guys who like find their thing and they just kind of never let go of it. And from a guy who created Michael Myers and that whole kind of franchise to be sort of like, you know, 15 years later, really trying to do something mm-hmm. really different than that. Um, in a different kind of horror movie, like this is not stalking babysitters at all. Um, I give him props for that. Like, I think that's, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and a great performance by Sam Neill. He's so great. We love Sam Neill. Yeah, I know. He's follow so his Twitter if you don't already. Oh, we're, we're supposed to. Uh, our, our producer says we should follow Sam Neill's Twitter. He, fo- he has a farm in New Zealand. He just makes pictures of these beautiful things on his farm. Does he? Apparently he has a farm like, in New Zealand. It's beautiful. And it's Aww. So, it's so snarky and it's cute. And you know what? Hmm. He follows me on Twitter. Does he? Bam! Deal with it. Yep. I was really excited that day. So so lucky. So funny. Um, So thanks for listening, guys. And we are on Twitter, as I just mentioned. We are. So if you'd like to follow us or whatever. We like Sam Neill. And we like Sam Neill. (laughs) We love you, Sam Neill. And yes, so find us, review us, Mm -hmm. iTunes, whatnot. All the places. Um, Next week, we're going to be going into a a different direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to be talking about... Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Get some Gary Oldman in there. Oh, man. I love you, Gary Oldman. Do you? I bet you super love, like, Green Mist Gary Oldman. I do. Is that, like, one of your favorite Gary Oldmans? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It really is. Uh, Because you don't get to see Gary Oldman be sexy very much. He's usually, like, scary and angry. And with that outfit? I mean, Mm, we'll talk about it. We will. If you want to talk about listen to us talk about Gary Oldman, how sexy he is. I swear we'll talk about the movie, too. I swear. We could talk about how sexy Winona Ryder is, too. That's true. Equal opportunity sexy. Hey, I'm all all about it. (laughs) We'll see you then, guys. See you then. Great to survive.